Welcome to Business Day Spotlight, a podcast where we talk about all things finance, economics, and politics. In today's episode, we have a very special guest, Ntate Lesecha Khanyakho, the governor of the South African Reserve Bank. Please join me in welcoming Ntate Khanyakho. Welcome, Ntate Khanyakho. I'm honored to have you on our show. I'd like us to talk in as much detail as possible about the state of South Africa, which is undeniably in the throes of a structural economic decline. What lessons can we learn from the 1999 uh, to 2000 and 2009 decade when growth was pumping, people's living standards were being raised and they were being put into jobs? Um, I actually think that uh, it might have started a little bit earlier in 1998, uh, when there were particular uh, reforms in the financial market space uh, that took place, that changed the manner in which government manages its debt and the manner in which government raises uh, raises funding. There was a reform that took place. Uh, what used to happen was that uh, uh, the Reserve Bank was the funding agent of government. And in 1998, what was changed was that a panel of primary dealers was put in place uh, to uh, raise debt for uh, uh, for the government and the Reserve Bank then would administer the auction system through which the investors would bid uh, for government debt. So that was, uh, that was, uh, that was uh, uh, the thing. But if you take it uh, further and you would say that the most significant macroeconomic change that took place in South Africa had to do with the announcement of the growth, employment, and redistribution strategy uh, in 1996. And the era that you are talking about where we were uh, growing and uh, standards of living were rising, inflation was contained, and had to do with the decisions that were taken uh, earlier. And when uh, gear was implemented, there was opposition to gear, and there was a view that uh, it might be uh, inflicting certain pain, uh, but as it turned out, that it was pain worth taking uh, because in the subsequent period, the government was able to uh, grow spending on education, grow spending on health, grow spending on policing, uh, and, and so forth. And so it was a, a, a momentous uh, period, but it also involved significant change in macroeconomics. Uh, South Africans might not recall was that in 1996 we were actually almost like facing a situation where we were faced with a, a, a debt trap that we could have easily had fallen into a debt trap and difficult decisions uh, had to be uh, taken and those decisions involved the reform of uh, the manner in which budgeting in South Africa uh, takes place. It involved uh, a reform of how revenue gets collected in South Africa, including the creation of the South African revenue uh, uh, revenue services. And uh, a part of those reforms also then entailed that by uh, 1999, uh, uh, there was a discussion after the rent crisis of 1998 that we should actually change the framework of monetary policy uh, in South Africa. And that framework or change in framework thus entailed the removal of what was at the time called an eclectic 
monetary policy it looked at everything that is included stopping to make interventions to try and protect the value of the rent it entailed the reserve bank stopping to write uh, forwards which are basically insurance products against future depreciation uh, of the currency because those losses were for the account of the treasury and they ran into billions and billions of of rent mm. and so that was removed from the uh, monetary policy space right. so by yeah. 2000 yeah, yeah. then what yeah. then happened was that the monetary policy framework was now changed and monetary policy was given a different anchor and that anchor was a an explicit inflation target that coincided by the way with the introduction of inflation targeting in so many other jurisdictions although what was seen as an early mover was new zealand in around 1994 about about around there mm-hmm. but monetary central banks around the world moved their policy anchor to focus on bringing down uh, inflation to a particular uh, to a particular level in south africa we decided that uh, it will be a target of 3 to 6 which uh, in 2001 was lowered to 3 to 5 but by 2002 it was reinstated back to 3 to 6 because we had experienced a a big exchange rate depreciation mm-hmm. in 2001 as a result of the default by argentina mm-hmm. and um was that a mistake? Was that a mistake uh, to reinstate the three? The three, three to six. Uh, I would say, with hindsight, yes, it was a mistake, and I'm saying with hindsight, and I must uh, uh, make a a disclosure here uh, that I was part of the team that advised the minister and the governor to say go back to three to six. What was supposed to happen was to stick to the three to five and say to the South Africans. Uh, we were ex- we have experienced a shock and that um we will reach our target later than we initially thought we would because we experienced this shock and this shock will get out of the uh, will get out of the system and um i think that what then happened then was that after that shock in 2001 and we got into 2000 uh, and two, the policies that had been put in place were starting to bear uh, to bear fruit. Government was able to not just increase expenditure; government was able to increase expenditure, and yet at the same time reduce the government's borrowing requirement. Why was it important that government reduces the uh, the deficit? Uh, the deficits add to debt, and debt must be serviced. And in terms of our constitution. The costs of servicing debt are the first charge on revenue. So before we even think of how much we are going to spend on education or health or policing or whatever, we must first um, service uh, uh, the debt. And so it is important that debt get brought down to the levels that are consistent with lower interest rate uh, uh, payments. And so those fruits came through and... Uh, in addition, of course, um, the economy was starting to grow. The more the economy grew, the more revenue came in. And that also coincided with uh, uh, the rise in commodity uh, prices. And South Africa used the proceeds from those commodity prices wisely because by 2005 and 2006, South Africa was running budget surpluses. Those budget surpluses brought down the amount of debt and um we moved from a situation where South Africa was spending 
20 cents, 20 cents out of every rent that we collect in revenue was going towards debt service costs. By 2005, 2006, we had reduced that to below 15 cents in every rent. That meant that government now had more money to spend on other areas of uh, uh, expenditure. And, uh, of course, we were hit by the 2008 crisis. The 2008 crisis found South Africa well-prepared with solid fiscal buffers, uh, low debt, a budget surplus, uh, low interest uh, rates on government debt, which meant government was able to borrow at lower uh, rates. And so government was able to provide a fiscal stimulus. Uh, Then that was not a bad idea. Well, you could only provide a stimulus because you built the buffers. So if you were to go back to the uh, uh, Bible, the story of Pharaoh, what you would have had was that you had those fat years and now they were lean years Mm. and we were able to use Mm. what we saved during the fat years Mm. to take us through through the lean years. And that was uh, how South Africa responded to the global financial yeah. uh, financial crisis. Mm. But uh, things changed mm. uh, because we almost like, as a country, started to behave as if we are richer than we actually are. And so in the aftermath of the global financial crisis, we provided the stimulus to get us out of the uh, crisis. And coming out of the crisis, we did come out of the crisis uh, by... Uh, um, uh, the first half of, by the latter half of 2009, uh, the South African economy uh, was growing again. And into mm. 2010, the economy continued to grow. Mm. What was supposed to happen was that we were supposed to rebuild our buffers. Mm. We didn't rebuild our uh, buffers. Mm. We instead continued to live as if we are richer than we actually are. And we didn't adjust the level of spending because you provide a stimulus. Mm. And once the economy gets out of the recession, you must withdraw the sti- withdraw the stimulus. Yeah. But we didn't, and we continued with the uh, uh, with the spending uh, mm. in that manner. Mm. And then uh, when we were uh, getting into uh, 2011, uh, 12, government continued to mm. borrow mm. and spend more, mm. and so the debt service costs uh, rose. When the global financial crisis came. South Africa's debt to GDP ratio was 15%. It now is approaching 80%. It's just over 70. And that debt must be serviced. And that means there is less to spend on other areas. Mm. And, and and therein is uh, the lesson in the management of macroeconomics. Uh, you take difficult decisions because you get rewarded um, uh, down the line for the difficult decisions that you uh, uh, you have ta- you have taken. Yeah. Um, uh, how would you how would you describe? I mean, based on the picture you just painted about that decade, or which is more uh, more than a decade, are we in the similar position that we were uh, just after the nineteen ninety four elections? Are we right now? Are we are we there? We. In terms of the fiscals, we are in a worse position okay. uh, than uh, uh, than then. Yeah. But the 
economic, the global economic environment is also yeah. different. Yeah. Uh, in 1994, we were really looking like an outlier mm. uh, because we had this debt that was rising, mm-hmm. unsustainable deficits mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm. At the moment, uh, we, yes, we are worse than what we were then in terms of uh, the fiscal uh, accounts, mm. but the difference is that the world is in a different place. Mm. There are countries that are in worse position than us in terms of their uh, debt uh, uh, positions, including some in the advanced uh, uh, economies. But we are South African. Mm. We can't accept being less bad because we are always used to being the best, mm. right? So mm. if we were not you were not convinced about us being the, yeah. uh, li- liking to be the best, just check what happens when mm. the national teams perform mm. uh, well and the, how the mood of the nation is mm. like, and just check mm. when the national mm. teams perform mm. uh, badly. It's like uh, mm. we are the worst thing mm. uh, that could have ever happened to humanity. Mm. Because we are South Africans, we like the good things. We would like to succeed. We would like to be uh, to be the best. And we can't get along with mm. accepting that mm. we are less bad than, mm. uh, 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 than the others. And we have got to be able to say, what are the challenges that we are facing now and how do we tackle those challenges bearing in mind that in tackling the challenges that uh, we face we must also be honest as south africans that we cannot have enough of everything that there are trade-offs to be made and those trade-offs would be difficult uh, we must make a choice uh, about those uh, trade-offs and who makes those choices is the uh, duly elected representatives of our people who must make those uh, choices, who must make those trade-offs. Mm-hmm. What we can't do mm-hmm. is to promise South Africans things that we know we cannot deliver mm-hmm. because we know we are constrained by the availability of resources. Mm-hmm. There is no country, even the richest country, does not have mm-hmm. unlimited resources. Mm-hmm. They have got to make trade-offs. And I think that the sooner we realize that there are certain things we can have and there are certain things we can't have, mm. that also intertemporally mm. there are things we can have now and there are things we can only have mm. uh, in the future. Mm. Let me put it simply to you. Okay. What we cannot allow is for our generation to live excessively at the expense of our children and our children's children. And so we cannot allow the excesses of today's generation to leave future generations with massive debt that they must then carry and there is nothing to show uh, nothing to show for it. And uh, respect, mm. if you look at from 2009, we piled up the debt all the way to now, yet the capital stock of the country is low, it has deteriorated mm. uh, during that period. And if you look at investment as a uh, percentage of GDP, it has declined over uh, this period. And you can go on and look at mm public sector investment, you will have noticed that it had declined over uh, uh, the period, mm. and yet we have piled up on the debt. And so generations that come after us could correctly say, mm. you guys 
You piled up the debt. What did you buy with the debt? Show us what we have done. And we are going to be faced with a situation where they could rightly come and spit on our graves and say that um, you lived excessively and this is what you have left with us. Yeah. Um, while you're talking about that, um, I mean, there's a thought that's going through my mind. Um, also, you mentioned earlier that we after 2009 we never we didn't stop uh we actually started believing that we have we are richer than we thought have we uh, when you look at the fiscal policy and some of the you know fiscal consolidation efforts of the mm -hmm. finance minister have we gone far enough uh is there more that can be done to to kind of um to show that fiscal restraint uh, given where we are? The, the, the times are tough. Uh, the choices that must be made are also difficult choices uh, to make. I've got no doubt that the Minister of Finance and his team apply their minds to this and that the fiscal path that they have set for the country mm. is the best that they could master yeah. under uh, under the circumstances. Of course, we can always say that, oh, you could have done better. But everyone could be said that you could have uh, you could have done better. Mm. And um, uh, suffice to say that I do know that whatever decisions they are taking there at the Treasury would be decisions that would be in the best interest uh, of, uh, mm. uh, of South Africa. So we talked about the fiscal accounts that we are... Uh, the fiscal accounts have deteriorated. They are worse than what they were uh, in, you said, 1994. I prefer to use 1996 because mm. 1994 was not a very useful mm. uh, reference mark because they, we had we also didn't quite know how bad the situation was because we had to go and find mm. all those TBVC states mm. And, mm. Uh, and get a better picture. But mm. 1996 was where we were able to say, draw the line mm. and then say, where are we going Mm. Uh, uh, are we going from here? Mm. I can say to you that on the monetary policy side, we are definitely better than what we were uh, in 1994. And you know, South Africans uh, sit here today and they probably complain about uh, interest rates. And that's something that I was talking to your colleagues earlier mm. uh, about. And they forget that, uh, you know, interest rates in 1994 were just over 20%. And, uh, and actually, mm. in 1998, interest rate jumped to 25.5%. And uh, although interest rates had risen from 2021 now, mm. um, the policy rate, it, the repo rate is at 7.75% and prime is just over uh, 10%. And so, 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 Yes, things are tough for South Africans, but on that front, mm. the situation is definitely better than uh, it was uh, in 1994. Of mm. course, there are other areas that have got nothing to do with yeah. the mm. area that I, I apply in. Uh, we tend to forget that we are free more than we were not free prior sure. to 1994. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We can express views, we can criticize government, we can take government to court, and all of those things, which are things that we couldn't do mm. uh, uh, prior. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, there are things that are uh, worse than they were in 1994, 1996 on the economic front, mm. the fiscal accounts uh, for sure. Mm. Um, uh, but 
on the monetary side we are hmm. uh, we are doing uh, we are doing better hmm. but the decade that you referred to was also a decade where uh, this economy was doing well in terms of growth in terms of employment creation uh, and so forth so much so that we were doing so well in employment creation that we st- even started to debate uh, what kind of jobs should we accept we started talking about decent jobs and and all of that you could only say that decent jobs because the jobs were there hmm. it's a different environment now we have got unemployment that is uh, worse than what it was hmm. uh, when we uh, got into the global financial crisis in 2008 i mean you could say you've done i mean the reserve bank has done such a wonderful job um I guess helped by those reforms uh, between 1996 and 2009, um, that you know people are now starting to think maybe you could do more. Um, mm. There's a <laughs> there's talk that um, maybe why don't we add jobs as part of your mandate? Mm-hmm. Uh, climate change, mm-hmm. and, um, you know poverty eradication. Mm-hmm. But jobs, I guess, is uh, the most pressing issue. Mm-hmm. But uh, you don't have the tools for that, do you? Well, you know, um, in a democracy, yeah. there will always be contestation in society about the role of institutions. Yeah. And uh, in South Africa is, is no exception. Yeah. And so those conversations, if they take place, they are welcome conversations uh, to take place. But we must also understand our institutional setup that will you set institutions for a particular purpose so in the constitution uh, we create uh, the army and they are tasked with a particular responsibility we create the courts and the judiciary and we talk about their responsibility in the administration Mm. of justice Mm. and um, we create a national treasury whose responsibility it is to set norms and standards uh, uh, and manage Mm. uh, macroeconomic policy and uh, resources Mm. uh, of the uh, the country and make sure that there is a transparent process to allocate those uh, those resources. Mm. The same constitution creates the South African Reserve Bank and task the South African Reserve Bank with a particular responsibility. And that responsibility is price stability in the interest of balance and sustainable growth. And so, all of these things that might want to be done, climate change, there is a Ministry of Environmental Affairs which is leading that uh, uh, charge Mm. for uh, the entire country. Do central banks have a, a role to play? I'm sure uh, we do. We participate in a, 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 a global network called the Network for the Greening of the Financial System. Uh, there are over 50 central banks uh, participating in that network, and we all talk about what our role as central banks is given our, uh, our mandate. So it is not like you abandon your mandate. You must straight true to your mandate, but how can you help in the other areas consistent uh, with your uh, with your mandate? And so um, we must be careful because I think that because you said that the Reserve Bank has been successful. It's not just in South Africa, uh, but globally central banks 
after the global financial crisis, had to step into almost like safe global financial system. And uh, in 2020, with the lockdowns and COVID, central banks had to step in and provide stimulus. Of course, treasuries could provide stimulus, but to the extent that the treasuries had the fiscal space to do so. In our case, our treasury didn't have the fiscal space. They provided something, but they didn't have the fiscal space. The central bank uh, did provide the monetary stimulus because we had the um, we had the uh, the space to do, to do so. We literally like halved the interest rates uh, during COVID to provide uh, to provide that uh, uh, that support. Yeah, and I also, worry. There was also so, the banks and ex- ex- exactly yeah, yeah, the yeah, banks yeah, also yeah, had to come into the yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. what within our regulatory yeah. framework. Mm. And I worry that societies across the world have got an inflated expectations of what central banks uh, can do. And I worry that these institutions which have been designed for a particular purpose could be piled up with additional responsibilities that they are incapable of executing because they had been so successful in what society had asked them to do that we might pile up with this uh, thing. So decisions about climate change, for example, are also distribution agent. They are going to be uh, winners and losers. Uh, If you are in hydrocarbons, the move to net zero uh, is putting you in a situation where you can no longer operate the manner in which you had operated uh, in the past, right? You might be losing and people maybe who are in renewables and so forth might be winning. But overall, it's the entire planet that is winning. Those trade-offs Central banks are not capable of making those trade-offs because Mm. central banks are run by unelected officials. And um, those kinds of trade-offs have got to be made by elected uh, elected officials. A detour for uh, uh, the things about your set, about uh, uh, jobs. There are choices that must be made about, uh, uh, about jobs. We've got to make a choice. Do we want to have more people employed and because we want more people employed we think we must reduce the the salaries so that more people can be employed do you want to say that no the minimum wage should not be more than this so that we can have more people uh, employed those kinds of decisions are not decisions that can be made by uh, unelected officials and that is why even in the debate about where you set the uh, a minimum wage in south africa it is an intensely political uh, process and it is not for the central banks to make those kinds of things but if you are to have a narrative about job creation those trade-offs uh, must be uh, uh, must be made where the jobs are being created, those choices must be made. And uh, it is not for unelected officials to do that. That is the job of the elected uh, officials. And so so we might think because central banks have been so successful, we can do that. We, 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 that they will not uh, be able to make those choices and we will most likely come with a suboptimal uh, uh, income. Dito, you, if you ask the army to create jobs, what would they do? They will just say that we need more soldiers, right? Yeah. And before, you know, more soldiers sitting in barracks, uh, in barracks board, mm-hmm. well, they might just start wars somewhere, <laughs> right? And um, yeah. uh, and if you were to ask the army to target inflation, 
Yes, they practice targeting all the time, but they target the wrong thing. And, <laughs> and if you ask them to target inflation, they might actually create uh, problems for us. And so in the institutional setup, you create particular institutions for particular responsibilities. And I suppose when you talked about jobs, that is why the president, I suppose, uh, came and said, well, we no longer just have a department of labor. It's the department of labor and employment. Uh, and, and which then says that now we are putting an institution that we are tasking with the responsibility uh, of uh, of creating jobs. Of course, creating institutions specialized to do certain things in society does not mean that we should not pull together uh, to the uh, to the common uh, to the common yeah. uh, goal. And uh, what is important is to show that each institution is playing its role uh, uh, towards that goal. And so when I read that section in the Constitution that talked about price stability in the interest of balance and sustainable growth, that tells me the Constitution says that South Africa needs balance and sustainable growth. And the question that then gets asked is, what are the contributions of the other institution for balance and sustainable growth? Balance and sustainable growth cannot be if you are having this huge resource that is untapped, that is called people, uh, that are not fully utilized. That is an imbalance uh, in society, and we have got to talk about bringing uh, uh, that in. And balance cannot be when you have got prices that are unsustainable and uh, people are not able to afford things because prices have run amok. And so you have got to have price stability. And that is where the Reserve Bank comes in uh, with price stability. And I could go on and talk about the role of other various government yeah. departments. We are a country rich in mineral resources. How those mineral resources are uh, exploited and how they contribute to growth and employment and so forth is the responsibility of the Department of Minerals and Energy. Yeah. So, 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 but we have got to Everybody be... Everybody has got their own lane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I could go back to the prices, uh, you know, you've consistently said that inflation is bad. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, in hindsight that the, it was a mistake uh, to uh, to go back to the three three to six percent inflation target. What is what is the what is your goal? Where, where would you like to see the inflation target and how would you defend uh, against those that say that's that's a bad idea we would come with uh, sacrifices that we can't um, we can't afford there is no virtue in high inflation and um, when people start talking about inflation you know that inflation is a problem and South Africans didn't just talk about inflation they actually organized a march to the union buildings to complain about inflation. So the South African public is also intolerant of high inflation. And so inflation must be brought down. Yeah. But inflation has to be brought down because, you see, you and I are living on fixed salaries. I don't know if you are luckier than me, oh, um, but I am getting <laughs> yeah, yeah, a salary increase yeah. once a year. Yeah. And as we were sitting last year, we expected that inflation this year, this time last year, we thought that inflation this year uh, would be 4.5%. We 
Well, we now expect it to be 6%. And so, if we believed that inflation was going to be 4.5%, and you accepted a salary increase of 4.5%, and now inflation is 6%, you are out of pocket. Your salary is buying less eh, of that. And economists tend to call that an inflation surprise, that there was an inflation surprise. Mm. Your income has been eroded. Mm. And getting into the next year, what are you going to do? You're going to say, no, 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 you chaps, you said last year that inflation is going to be 4.5%. It came at 6%. I spent the whole year cutting down on things because inflation is higher. I now want to be compensated for that uh, inflation. And you then run into, uh, into that uh, spiral. And so they, I would struggle to find anyone who would say that high inflation would be better uh, for us. Uh, as a uh, country. But you see, you can negotiate maybe with your employer uh, and maybe you might decide to go and join a different media house or you might go and become a spokesperson of somebody and maybe end better there. Mm. But if you are a recipient of a social grant and the grant is fixed, you can't negotiate for a higher grant because inflation has gone up, you are left out of pocket. And those people who are relying on grants are the poor. And so if you say that we can tolerate higher inflation, you are basically saying to us that the poor must tolerate declining income, that their income must buy less and less because we must tolerate, we must tolerate higher inflation. And so Inflation hurts the vulnerable. It hurts the poor. But in particular, it also hurts uh, the working people who do not have the bargaining power yeah. to compensate themselves against the eroding effects of inflation on their, uh, on their incomes. So, lower inflation will benefit us all. And probably like uh, many people in the who are characterized as middle class, yeah. uh, if you have a house, you borrowed money to buy the house. It's true. And, uh, and now it must be painful. Interest rates are higher, not because the Reserve Bank wants to make interest rates higher. Interest rates are higher because inflation has gone higher. And so we are having to adjust interest rates so that we can rein in inflation. Yeah. And if you had a mortgage in 2020 and 2021, mm. You saw the benefits of low inflation. Inflation in 2020 declined to as low as 3%. It even in one month went below 3%. Mm. Interest rates were 3.5%. You benefited from that. So let's get this clear. Mm. For us to have lower interest rates in the future, we must have lower inflation. That's clear to me. Um, one of the figure that was, uh, just to wrap up, um, the figure that was, uh, that's been floated around is that the target you would prefer is it three percent? That was a figure that yeah. uh, got. It was a figure that the National Treasury and the Reserve Bank yeah. talked about in two thousand, by the way, okay. two thousand and one. Sorry, in two thousand and one. Yeah. Um, and it was that the target would be reduced from six to three, to five to three, and then four to two. Right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and Governor Mbweni, the number eight. Mm. 
uh, he liked talking six to three and five to three because he says it must show that we actually prefer mm. inflation lower. Mm. Uh, but this past year, the National Treasury also commissioned a study which was done by two uh, eminent academics and former governors for that matter. Uh, and the results of that study arrived at exactly the same decision conclusion that we had arrived in in 2001 that South Africa should be looking at targeting an inflation rate of 3%. But why 3%? What is so magical about about 3%? Well, the advanced economies inflation targets are 2%. Some of them used to say 2% or lower, but now they are just saying 2%, which means that they tolerate it even if it is slightly above or slightly below two percent, mm. uh, uh, and arriving at a figure of three percent was cognizant of the fact that the advanced economies have got f- far more flexible economies than we do, and so as such, we built in for some rigidity in our own space, and hence three uh, percent. That is one. Okay. Two is that. Emerging market economies introduced inflation targets also in the 2000s. And many of our peers either introduced their inflation targets at lower than the ones that we have, or they had revised their targets uh, their targets uh, uh, lower. Uh, whether you are looking at Brazil, or you are looking at India, or you are looking at various countries in Asia and in Latin America that are having similar characteristics to us. Some of them had even gone to as low as going to 2% like the advanced economies, and we ended up saying uh, 3%. And our target is actually wider than what uh, the others had seen. So for now, we have got a target of 3 to 6%. As the central bank, we are aiming for the middle of that target. We are aiming at 4.5%. Yeah. Um, but if 4.5% is better than 6 surely 3% is better than 45 right? How do we get there? Um, it surely can't be through monetary policy alone. Monetary policy will contribute to that. It is the primary driver mm. uh, of uh, uh, of inflation. There are certain rigidities in the South African uh, space that uh, have to be dealt with, uh, mainly in the uh, an area that we call administered prices. That are prices that are set by government agencies, whether it is electricity, whether it is water, yeah. uh, whether it is school fees. Petrol. Uh, um, uh, mm-hmm. Petrol, there is mm-hmm. a component that has to do with taxes, but the bulk of the petrol is uh, f- uh, uh, fl- fluctuating depending on what is happening to the oil price or what is happening to yeah. the mm-hmm. exchange rate. Municipal rates and taxes, mm-hmm. uh, which have been rising at... Uh, a rate that is higher than the inflation, mm. uh, the inflation target. Um, uh, so if we then sink and those also come down to the desired inflation, can you imagine if you receive your municipal raise and taxes bill and all that the, uh, the raise and taxes had increased by is 3% because that is the target that we are now having uh, in the economy. It would be a wonderful p- a place uh, to be in. Yeah. But with inflation at 3%, surely interest rates would be lower. Well, interest, uh, inflation was 3% in 2020 and interest rates were 3.5%. True. Right? So, so, so lower inflation 
is for the benefit of both consumers and businesses because everyone can go about making business and consumer decisions with a, a full knowledge that inflation is in check and we have got price stability. Uh, that's a compelling argument from my humble journalistic <laughs> stand. Thank you very much for your time. I'm really grateful. Thank it's you. only a pleasure. All right, thank you. That concludes our episode of Business Day Spotlight with Ndate Khanyako. We hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation. We would like to thank Ndate Khanyako for his time in sharing his views and expertise with us. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. This has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.